Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Inner Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Carolina Salazar, and I hope that you're doing amazing. I hope you had a good week. And I am pleased to report on today's little intro that Mercury is no longer retrograde. And I am so happy about it because this past Mercury retrograde was in Taurus, and I think it affected me more than normal. Like, I felt very like scatterbrained and also especially in the last two weeks. I think it's been a blend of Mercury retrograde, just like activating this vibe in me where I've been a little bit more scattered and a little bit less like organized with my thoughts with my emails like all of that and then literally today Mercury goes direct and I like cleared out all of my emails I got so much done I uploaded a video that took me literally two weeks to edit because it was six hours of content and it flooded my computer and overloaded my computer And in typical Mercury retrograde fashion, my computer started glitching and then I had to wait so long to edit because the software was moving so slowly. So thankfully, Mercury is no longer in retrograde and I'm very, very happy. So that's exciting. And then this week we have a new moon in Taurus and also Jupiter is moving into Taurus, which is going to be so wonderful. So I'm feeling all the vibes. And this past week also was really fun. I'm recording this the day before the episode airs, this little intro, and I feel like the last week has just been filled with fun because every single day pretty much of the week there was something exciting that I did or that happened on I'm trying to remember what happened on Monday but Tuesday night there was an event by this brand Swoon and it was in this really cool rooftop and everyone was wearing pink because it was a Barbie themed event and then I ended up having dinner with my friend Jordana after and we went to this place called Dudley's in the Lower East Side which I normally go to for brunch but their dinner was spectacular. We had truffle fries and salad, and then we went to dessert after. It was a time. We were having such a blast. And then on Wednesday, Pedro's family arrived in New York because it's Pedro's graduation week, so we had that, and we just like hung out with them, and I also had a dinner with my talent management team that night, and then on Thursday, my family arrived, and then we also went to this place called Gitano, which is in governor's island here in new york and it was kind of like a tulum vibes like outdoor restaurant bar situation so we had drinks we had food so yummy and it's really cool because you get to take the ferry and it's like a whole activity and then friday was pedro's graduation so we had a bunch of stuff to celebrate that and there was his graduation party and my parents came out with me and my brother came and it was so fun and then also on saturday i had a concert so as you can tell from this intro (laughs) It's been a very fun, filled, and jam-packed moment in my life. And I feel like as I've navigated this chapter of my life, especially this month where there's so much to celebrate, I have kind of had to release any shame, any guilt I've carried around the concept of 
going out or having fun or having drinks or whatever because I've kind of caught myself like waking up some of the days of this week and being like oh my gosh I was like not productive enough this week or like today I'm like gonna be like so healthy and this and this and this but then I wouldn't do it or like it just didn't happen because the nature of this week was like family in town dinners events celebrations like so much going on so inevitably it didn't make sense for me to put that pressure on myself or expect that I'd be able to be kind of going about my normal routine with whatever we had in store and like with what was going on so I had to kind of release this shame and I think that really really helped because then I started just allowing myself to actually enjoy it and just be like you know what this is a fun era for me. Like this is my unhinged era and I'm here for it and I'm going to fully enjoy it because I know that it's not going to be forever. Like this is not going to be my life forever. And I also think as a context too, now that it's warm in New York and it's feeling kind of like summer, I think everyone's kind of in a vibe where they're wanting to have fun and just be outside and go to rooftops and just have a good time. So that's just been my moment. And I think that coupled with the Mercury retrograde it's just been a vibe. It's just been interesting. But I'm super grateful because I think it was a very fun week and I think it'll be one that I'll remember also in the future. So I'm really feeling grateful. And it was just lovely having my parents here and also getting to celebrate Mother's Day together in New York and also seeing my brother who I hadn't seen in a long time. So it was just great. And on today's podcast episode, I'm super excited because I got to chat with Emily Newton. Emily is the host of the Balanced Factor podcast, and I actually went on her podcast a few months ago, so we can link that episode in the description and definitely make sure to check out her podcast itself because it's amazing. And Emily is based in Toronto, and she talks a lot about health and wellness in her account, in her podcast. And on today's episode, we kind of dove into her own journey and her relationship with her body and how it's evolved as someone who's an athlete and who grew up very athletic, which I thought was really interesting because as I've said in previous episodes or just in general, you guys probably will know this already about me, but I did not grow up athletic. I actually didn't grow up playing any sports and I was someone who was more of on the artistic side growing up where I always was doing like photography, yearbook, dance, painting, watercolors, digital art, like all these things, but I was never someone who was like on the track team or on any sports team. Like it was just not my vibe or even competitive dancing. Like that was never my vibe. It was more on the hobbies side of things that I kind of focused my energy and just kind of having a playful attitude with like my creativity and the things that I spent time on. But anyway, Emily was the opposite, right? Emily did grow up athletic as a woman and we talk a lot about that and what being in this competitive sports world taught her and how it affected her relationship with her body how it led to her eating disorder and how she recovered from it and also how that informed what she now studies in her masters and what she wants to do and what she wants to create and ultimately it ties back to balance right and what balance means to her what balance can mean for us as we heal our relationships with our body and I think that also ties really well into what I was just sharing about this moment in my life which has been very much about balance and understanding that maybe this is just a moment where I'm having more fun and that's okay because it's not going to be like this forever right and eventually I'll be in a different moment and I'll be back to my routines and it's just about sinking into the concept of balance so that's something we definitely dove into in this conversation and I think you're going to really love it so with that said let's jump right into the episode 
And as a reminder, if you want to be the first one to know about future episodes, remember to hit the plus button on the top right corner of Apple and hit the following button on Spotify on the top left corner under the inner growth like picture. And that way you will get notified whenever there is a new episode out. And with that said, let's jump right in. I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, make sure to also let us know. I'll see you on the other side and let's get growing. Hello, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I'm so excited. And just to get started, the first question I ask all of my guests, I'm curious to hear yours, is do you know your sun, moon, and rising in astrology? I I do not. (laughs) Do you know what your zodiac sign is? I'm a Virgo. I knew it. I was going to guess that. Yeah, I am a Virgo. Such Virgo energy. Yep, very much a Virgo. I'm the definition of a Virgo. Very organized, type A, you name it, it's me. (laughs) Methodical, I'm sure. With your zodiac sign, like, do you resonate with it? I mean, I guess you said you are the typical Virgo, but right now, like, actually, the day that we're recording this, we just had a full moon in Virgo. So I feel like, like, Virgo energy has been very, like, accentuated the last few days. So I've been feeling it a lot. I'm curious, like, how you resonate with the realities of being a Virgo? Oh, 100%. This past week, I've been going nonstop, just so inundated on my work, super hyper-focused. Now that I know that, it makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah, the energy has been really strong. So now the moon's in Libra, so the full moon has like passed. But yeah, it's been very, very Virgo-focused. So I don't know, I just had such an intuition that you were a Virgo. Like, I wish I had guessed before I asked you, but it's all good. Should you also just introduce yourself to anyone listening who isn't familiar with your platform or with the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So hi, my name's Emily Newton. I am the founder and creator of Balance Factor, which is a business that helps individuals understand the complexities of human health and well-being. What I do with my work is I am a translational researcher, which a lot of people don't know what that is, but I don't translate languages. What I do is take existing knowledge in science and health and well-being and bring it to people within our population in a way that they can understand it. I take all of this evidence that we have and deliver it in a way that is meaningful and insightful for anyone to take in for themselves and help them improve their overall health. Amazing. I love that. So cool. And I know before we started recording, we were chatting a little bit about the range of topics we wanted to cover. And something we had chatted about before is the fact that you were an athlete growing up. And so I actually haven't brought on anyone on the podcast yet to talk about the realities of being an athlete because I did not grow up an athlete. Like I was very much the like artsy dancer, photographer, yearbook kid like I was never the athletic one and it's interesting how my relationship with like exercise has evolved because now I love working out and like love lifting and just running all things but I did not grow up like being the athletic person and so it's not a world where like I was in when I was younger yet I know that like growing up an athlete is a whole ordeal and like there's so much that goes into it like mindset wise and it affects your relationship with your body so deeply. 
in so many ways. So I'm excited to dive deeper into that with you. So could you just start by sharing a little bit about your experience with being an athlete, like what kind of sports you've played and at what age you started and just kind of how that evolved over time? Yeah, so growing up, I was always a super active kid. My parents always had us in sports. I actually was a competitive dancer for a lot of my life, but my parents wanted us to stay very well-rounded because as you know, if you've seen dance moms, the dance world can become very Mm -hmm. narrow-minded. So they wanted us to stay in other sports as well. So, you know, I was a downhill skier. I did flag football, a bunch of different things at school. And it wasn't until I was about in high school where I really started taking interest in running and track and field. And I ran some races, I started training for it, and then I stumbled upon the sport known as pole vaulting. Um, Which if you aren't familiar with what that is, it's a track and field event where you run with a big pole and you stick it in the ground and you jump over a bar and you basically fling yourself up in the air. So I got super involved in this. I would just so happen that Canada's Olympic coaches were starting a club in my hometown. So, I mean, I kind of just had it right in front of me and took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I got super involved in it and was really, really passionate about it. I really, truly was. And so when it came to going to university, I applied for varsity teams and I was recruited onto a university team here in Ontario, um, just outside of Toronto. So my experience on a varsity team very much changed my relationship with exercise and food and everything like that. I was kind of thrown into this arena of sports are your life and nothing else is really significant and this entire experience I mean there were numerous things although it was positive in numerous aspects and I wouldn't take it back I think it was a amazing learning opportunity it was overall a very toxic environment in terms of being confident in your body regulating what you're eating competition, self-comparison, not meeting standards. There were so many things that as a young 17, 18 year old, I was exposed to that was so abnormal to me. And you know, if you're somebody who's gone to university, you know how hard it is that first year to, you're not living with your parents, you're on your own to feed yourself, do everything on your own, plus having some coaches on top of you monitoring your everyday moves it's a lot of stress and so I decided after a year of doing this that it was not the right fit for me and I don't think I really saw the damage it did until afterwards when I tried to adjust to normal life but uh, it evolved and you know I've come out of it stronger and I've learned so much from it but definitely it was an interesting experience for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So interesting, first of all, to see like how your relationship with exercise evolved from like being in the dance world and then also like a little bit of pressure from your parents on like adding in the extra stuff, then into high school, then into college and like how one thing led to the other. But thank you for sharing that, first of all. And I would love to kind of like dive in even deeper because I know you said that there was so much that came to the surface in between like getting to college as a varsity athlete into leaving the varsity team like I'm sure there was so much that happened in between the start of college and that decision so you mentioned 
competition you mentioned like pressure from the coaches you mentioned your relationship to your body and to food changing do you think it was because it was in a varsity competitive like setting did you notice any patterns like that start in high school or before or did it really start when you got to college it's a great question um I think at the near the end of high school I mean so I went from being a dancer to a track and field athlete and you know in dance there's a lot of endurance and flexibility training you're toning your muscles but you're not building muscle Mm -hmm. and so when I switched over to pole vault there was a shift in my body because I built a lot of muscle for it you have to have a ton of upper body strength for that Um, but I really wasn't aware of how my body changed because I was so just focused on getting to where I wanted to be with the sport and succeeding at it that it didn't it didn't really cross my mind and even with food it I mean, I always grew up eating super healthy. My parents are very health conscious. So that was really never a concern for me. So I would say it wasn't until university that that style of training and everything that came with that really affected how I viewed my body and food. And so I went from doing, you know, my standard practices. I did a bit of gymnastics on the side because with pole vault, gymnastics can really help with it. And so I never lifted and like done heavy weight lifting until I got to university. And I just got a kind of got thrown these weights on me and my body didn't respond well to it. I bulked up quite easily. And I was feeling like I was constantly fighting what I was doing because I knew what I was doing was causing too much stress to my body to the point where it just, it was uncomfortable. And I then had coaches come and say to me that I needed to debulk. So I had to go and see a nutritionist to monitor my eating to lose the weight. And all of this just really messed with my head. There were like comments made about me from the sidelines about, you know, if I was smaller, I would lose the weight. Yet I didn't want to lift, but they were making me lift and I knew the lifting wasn't helping. So it was this nonstop battle against, I know what this is wrong, but I'm in this arena where I have no control over it. And so the result to get out of that state was to ultimately leave. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure that like the pressure coming from the coaches, from your teammates, from the nutritionists, from like the weightlifting, like there were so many pressures from left and right and so many conflicting inputs that you were receiving. Yeah. So when you started noticing that, like, okay, I'm feeling this conflict between like knowing that this isn't benefiting my body, knowing that this is stressing me out a lot, but at the same time, like I want to perform, I want to help my team, I want to do well, I want to impress my coaches, whatever it is. Like what was the most pressing thing that you felt and how long did that last until you made the decision to leave? Like, did you try to, for example, like stop the lifting or was that mandatory? Like, I'm just curious as to how that evolved. Yeah. So, I mean, here in Canada, universities normally go on summer break around end of April. So it was during that time where I went back to my home coaches. So I went home for the summer. And so my training style changed back to my roots, which I noticed a significant difference in how I was feeling and 
the way I was moving. I also went and seeked out additional support from a sports psychologist as well as a naturopathic doctor to help reduce the inflammation because if you saw a picture of me during this time, I just looked inflamed. My body was inflamed. I was in a chronic state of stress. And so I did some dietary changes, but still staying, you know, not too restrictive, just reducing inflammatory triggering foods. So during this time, I really realized how much toxicity the other environment caused me. And so I actually was fully planning on going back my second year. I trained that entire summer preparing for it. And the first week I got back at school, I just felt that something wasn't right. And I went to my coaches and I talked to them and I said, look, I can't handle doing this training schedule. And the only way I'm going to survive on this team is if I can show up for these amount of days, amount of times. And their response was, that's not fair to give one person special treatment, which I totally understand that. And so it kind of gave me my outing that I'm not going to be able to keep this up anymore. And so I left. And what made this the most difficult is I actually roomed with girls on the team. So that entire year, I was still surrounded by this team, but I wasn't in it. So it what took was that me- like? <laughs> it was probably one of the loneliest times I've experienced. I just felt so disconnected from people I mean I would come home no one would be home because they're at practice and there was a probably a little bit of resentment too because you know when athletes go to university typically they live together because it just it's easier for lifestyle and scheduling so I was the odd one out and uh you know it took a lot of bravery and courage to get myself out of that situation and I did and I think I grew so much from that but in the moment it, it did suck it really did. But, you know, like I said, it taught me so many things about myself and how to really pull myself out of a place that was just not great all around. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really happy that you set those boundaries, even like head first, like in the beginning of the second year and followed your intuition and then ultimately made the decision that felt most aligned, even if that meant that your social life or your home environment like slash door environment was a little bit more difficult to navigate I'm sure that your body responded much better to that lifestyle and like way of living in university and I thought it was really awesome too how you sought out a sports psychologist you sought out help from a doctor the whole time that that was happening in your first year were you like very aware of it Or was it like, were your parents involved? Because I feel like, at least for me, my freshman year of college, it was obviously a different situation. But my freshman year was when I was in like the first stages of like a really bad phase of my relationship with food. And like, that was when I was like pretty deep into my disordered eating. And I was in deep denial of it for like a long time until like end of first semester where I couldn't recognize myself anymore. Like I remember looking in the mirror and just being around my parents and just saying like, I don't recognize myself. Like, I think I need help and just like breaking down. And that was the moment when I first started seeing a nutritionist and then getting help to like gain weight back. Because for me, it was the opposite. I actually lost way too much weight, lost my period, lost hair. Like it was very drastic, but 
it did get to a point where it was like a breaking point and then I was like okay I'm ready for help but up until that point I was so in denial of what was happening and so I just wonder like did your parents or your family like were they involved or did it come from you to seek out the help Great question. I think it was a bit of a combination of both. I've always been someone from a young age who seeked therapy from the age of 11. I was a very highly anxious kid. So I've had enough practice and experience to recognize the signs. Where it really became noticeable was that it was affecting my performance in the sport. And I would get on the runway and almost have panic attacks. Not fully, but I would blank out. And I just would do this thing where I would completely run through and not take off and basically just not even try. And there was one specific meet where I no-heighted and that just means I made it over no bar at all. So I didn't even get entered in the competition because the first time you get over, they kind of put you in the position to keep going. And that was like the first time I'd ever really failed at something. And that hit me hard. And that was when, okay, I was like, there's something deeper going on here. So I worked with a sports psychologist for a bit and got some tools and tactics, which did improve my sports performance and mindset around it. But it wasn't, it wasn't enough to make it a deal breaker for me to stay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, as you said, it is always a combination of a lot of different things. And so something else I'm curious about because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are also athletes or past athletes is when it came down to the food specifically, how did your relationship with food get affected by these changes in your weight and your performance from working with different kinds of nutritionists? Did it leave any like lasting impact in how you saw food and eating? Yeah. So during my time in the sport, I expressed to my coaches too that I, I felt uncomfortable in my body. I really did. And I I did not like the way my thighs touched each other. I didn't like how bulky my arms were. I wanted to feel less stressed. And I was just holding on to everything. So I also, you know, went to my coaches a bit too. And I just said, I'm not comfortable here. Like, what can we do about this? Can we change the training program? Can we do something different? And they recommended that I seek nutritional support. And I kind of knew in the back of my head that I was eating healthy. Like I was not the kid who was going to the calf and getting French fries and pizza at 3 a.m. I never even did that beforehand. So for me, it was like, really, I need to change my eating habits. Okay, interesting. So I worked with a nutritionist who had a very specific calculated program that it was certain amount of carbs, protein, certain times of day. It was very limited and very constrained. And in the moment, I just followed this because I thought it was going to get me to perform better. And I really wanted to get my goals that year with performance wise. And so I don't think I noticed how this affected me until I got out of it afterwards because I was so food conscious where it became debilitating in my ability to focus on things and do things normally how I would in the past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like grasp the mix of everything. So when you were going through your training program and like they were having you weightlift and stuff like that, 
And then you experience this weight gain, like, because I think obviously like there's an, I'm really big on like body acceptance and accepting your body and loving yourself, like no matter what body shape you're in, right? Like sometimes like I've had moments where like my thighs have been bigger and they would touch each other when I was walking in the beach and like, I would like chafe and like that hurt. And it was a little bit uncomfortable, but like at the same time practice deeper acceptance of my body in those moments at the same time as like there's been other phases of my life where I've been in maybe a lower body weight or a different body shape and also had to accept that like maybe that's not gonna be my body shape forever so I just wanted to like double down on that because you shared like I didn't like how my thighs touched each other or things like that like do you feel like that has evolved over time? Like, do you feel like that was mainly because it was affecting your performance or was it like coming from a place of comparing to the other athletes? Like, I would just love to hear a little bit more about that aspect of things, like how you saw your own body as well. And like in the context of being an athlete as well as after you left the team. Yeah, so I would say I was so deep down into narrow-minded mindset that my ability to even accept or be grateful for the body I have and when I say like I got bulky I'm I'm quite petite gal I've always have been so for me it felt like a lot from the outside I'm sure it didn't look that way but for me personally it felt like a really big change so at the time I really couldn't gain perspective on it I just wanted to do something about it and get control over it and I think that's when the poor relationship with food came into play because I was seeking for a way to find control over the situation. So I resorted to following what this nutritionist gave me. And then once I left the team, I was like, wow, I I have full control over this now, okay. And if you know about exercise, once you stop doing certain exercises, you lose the muscle mass. And I naturally, when I stopped training, just lost the muscle mass. I didn't lose a lot of weight, but I lost a significant amount that I had to size down in jeans and things like that. And so that gave me confidence because I felt more like myself, but there was still more of a rooted issue underneath that I don't think I really even discovered for myself until a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. Because at at the same time as we've been talking about, like every body is so different and like different body shapes exist but also different bodies respond to different kinds of exercises very differently so like maybe even if your eating hadn't changed that much and you started adding in this weightlifting on top of all the stress of like already being in college and figuring life out on your own terms and training and being a part of a team like all these different things like the inflammation as you've been talking about is really big and like how stress can play a part in our like physical appearance and in our health too so obviously weight gain is so multifaceted and it almost felt like in that case for you the weight gain came as a result of like external pressure on lifestyle shifts that weren't even what you wanted to do or what felt fun or aligned or joyful for you and then the other piece which is learning to accept your body in all different shapes and sizes which as you said came later down the line so kind of moving on to that like after you made the decision to leave the team how did your relationship with food evolve after you had you know worked with these nutritionists and different things had been ingrained in your head like did that carry through into the rest of your college experience into your post-grad experience how did that kind of play out afterwards I would say it still to this day affects me 
um, but not at all to the same extreme that it used to. I, after I left the team, went through a very difficult time of adjusting to normal life. I've been asked this question about how I adjusted to normal life after being an athlete. And I think a lot of individuals also experience this when they go to first year, just in general, even if they're not a varsity athlete, because you're in high school, you're doing these extracurriculars, and then you get thrown in this world where that's not really mandatory, like gym class isn't mandatory anymore. So you really have to take ownership of your own physical activity and things like that. And I'd never been in that position before where I didn't have to show up for it. It was, mm-hmm. I was showing up for myself. Um, and I think so- it's a big shift for athletes specifically or people who grew up playing sports because it's like you're in this, I know, for example, there's this one creator who talked a lot about this in the past. Her name is Cameron. I think her account used to be called Freckled Foodie and she changed her username. And she always talked about how like as an athlete, it's almost like you're in this preset schedule and this preset routine where you're like your workouts are basically fully figured out for you. Like sometimes we even have like meals with your teammates and like that's figured out and whatever. And then once you stop being an athlete, you have to start figuring all of that out by yourself. Yeah. And it happens a lot, as you said, to people even who are not athletes too. Exactly. And so that year, I still probably exercise just as much. And it wasn't healthy. I would get up early and go for a run in the snow. And now that I think back at that, I'm like, Emily, what what were you doing, girl? And I really didn't realize how bad this was until COVID came, because I had a lot of time to think. And I also got quite sick during COVID where my ability to exercise was completely off the charts for about five to six months. And so when I sat back and looked at everything, I was like, wow, I don't have to kill myself to feel good. I really don't. And I don't think it was until that experience that I really realized the effects it did and to remove myself from all of it. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, COVID and lockdown, like taking a step away from being around a ton of people and a ton of restrictions and a ton of just like pressures, like just having more quiet time and more alone time to just reflect. And as you said, I mean, for you, it was even deeper because you couldn't even move that much since your health was kind of in a different, like more fragile moment that that eventually led you to realize that like you don't have to push yourself and you don't have to be crazy intense with your health or with your regimen or with your workouts or with your eating to feel good. So that kind of takes me into my next question, which is when did you launch The Balanced Factor and how did you come up with the name? Great question. So during COVID, before I got sick, I got my personal training certification because I had all the time in the world and I was like, you know what? I want to stay in sports, so let's do this. And then I first had an account called Emily Newton Training, which I only had like, I think like 100 followers on it. And I taught fitness classes virtually for a little bit. And about a year and a half ago, I wanted to take this account and actually make it into something more meaningful because I realized that to feel good inside and out, it's not just exercise, it's mindset, it's eating, it's well-being, it's self-love, all of these factors that are involved in a balanced lifestyle really 
can make or break how you feel. And so that's really how I came up with the name. And I launched this name in November of 2021. And then after that, I did some projects through my program at school where I had the opportunity to do a podcast episode with um, Abby Sharp. She's a registered dietitian. She's quite known in the social media space. And Sammy Clark, who's also well-known in the fitness industry. And I kind of took those projects and made this podcast and I've been doing it ever since. So that's kind of how it all started and where it's evolved to now where I'm talking to you like people that are also just trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Amazing. I love that so much. And I just feel like, as you said, health is such an intricate thing and it's not just fitness and not just eating. It's about everything and figuring out everything in the most balanced way possible. So my follow-up question is, what does balance mean to you today? Oh, that's a hard question, but balance means to me that for me personally, it's in a place where I feel grounded. I know when I'm balanced, when I get up in the morning and I feel not this urge to go and get 50 things done right away. I'm centered on my feet and I can know where my breath is. If I'm not connected to my body, that's when chaos happens. So balance means to me is really when I come down to being grounded and feeling fulfilled in all those areas of my life. Wow, that is such a Virgo answer and I love it. Well, I am one, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think that's such a powerful way of looking at balance is like when you're on your feet, on your own two feet, and you're feeling grounded in what you need and in this moment. And I think that's really beautiful. And I also really appreciate the perspective that you brought to this episode on sharing the realities of like your experience as an athlete, sharing the realities of how that translated to your relationship with food evolving, how then, you know, in COVID and having more time with yourself you were then able to figure out really like this is what I want for myself this is how I want to feel and I love your story and I want to do a quick rapid fire question round that I do with all of my guests before we close out the episode so let's get into it just answer intuitively the first question is what is a mantra or a quote that you love that you live by or that you just come back to often make it happen explain I have stand by this saying forever. I don't know why. It just came into my life one day. I even have a bracelet that has M-I-H on it. And I have a sign behind me that says make it happen. It definitely is just something I use when I'm especially in a state of indecisiveness or contemplating or self-criticizing myself. And I use this phrase to refocus and direct myself and really just make it happen and I do when I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Love that. And what makes you feel like your best self or your higher self? I think this kind of goes back to what I said earlier is coming back to that balanced feeling and being grounded. And I think where I feel my best is when I'm breathing. I really do. And I I caught myself in the grocery store earlier today and I was getting anxious about something I had to do for school and I focused on my breath and I was like, wow, I was holding my breath that entire time. So 
yeah, you don't realize how often you hold your breath. So I, I, for me, that's, that's what I would say. That's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, breath work is something that I recently got into and I've been loving and just like in general paying attention to our breath. It's so hard though. It is. It is hard. (laughs) And there's many different ways of doing breath work, but it's very powerful. And do you have any books that you would recommend to anyone listening that have impacted you or been a big part of your journey? Oh yeah. There's one. It's a, an autobiography. It's called Between Two Kingdoms. It's a story about a girl who has leukemia and was basically deemed a life sentence, but she overcame it and traveled all across the U.S. by herself. Um, It's a really moving and touching story. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is a little bit slow, but if you keep going through it, there's just a lot of life lessons you can learn from it. Love that. I haven't heard of that one before, so I'll have to read it at some point. And last question is, if someone didn't hear anything from our conversation, but they just heard this part, what would you want to leave them with? Oh, that's a hard one. I would say to trust your instincts and follow your gut. And when you know something is not right and you're fighting it, that's when it's time to walk away. Yeah, powerful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod. This has been amazing. I know we did a podcast swap, so everyone go listen to my episode on Emily's podcast, Balanced Factor. And can you please share with everyone where they can follow you or check out your podcast and just be in the loop of everything that you do? Yeah, thank you so much again for having me on. This was a great conversation. You guys can check me out at Balanced Factor. It's on Instagram and TikTok. And check out my website as well. I have some exciting things going on there. I have a newsletter that I send out weekly reminders. So that's balancefactor.com. And yeah, that, that's everything. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. And to everyone listening, hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.